This podcast is brought to you by RMA, the Risk Management Association. RMA's sole purpose is to advance the use of sound risk management principles in the financial services industry. Learn more at rmahq.org. Hi, I'm Stephen Krasowski, Communications Manager at RMA. RMA recently conducted a survey to capture the maturity and development of the three lines of defense, organizational structure, roles and responsibilities, and best practices. Today, I'm joined by Lori Calhoun, Chief Risk Officer at Dollar Bank, who will discuss some of the key findings from the survey. Lori, thanks for joining us. Oh, thank you very much for having me. So Lori, approximately 80% of institutions have adopted the three lines of defense risk management approach. Why is it so important to implement a maturity process into their former risk management programs? Well, I would have to say the results of the survey are spot on in the sense that the maturity process is a marathon and not a sprint. And then also uh, what's interesting is that the majority of the institutions uh, responded that it takes one to five years to effectively establish the three lines of defense. And that was regardless of asset size. So 75% or more of respondents uh, felt that way. For those not of the opinion that it takes this amount of time, what really struck me is that 16% of the institutions with $250 billion or more in assets responded that it took more than five years. From my own personal perspective, I think human nature is the main reason that a maturity process is so important. Because if you think about it, uh, there's a learning curve to anything new, and it takes time for something to really take hold and occur in a consistent and effective fashion. And there's also a natural resistance to change, uh, which is why change management and tone of the top are so important. Lori, risk management requires partnership and collaboration from various departments within an organization. So organizational structure is critically important. Some organizations consider oversight or control partners to live in the second line, while others consider them a part of the first line. Could you discuss some of the top responses from the survey with regard to control partner reporting? Sure. So the survey asked people to classify departments that are typically gray areas as either the first, second, or third line of defense. And I would say the overall results are in two main tiers. So the first tier I would consider to be general consensus. So 65% or more of respondents classified human resources and finance departments as the first line of defense. And then also the same percentage of respondents, 65%, classified compliance and regulatory affairs as the second line of defense. I would say the second tier of our results would be roughly split down the middle. So just as many respondents classified the legal department, data governance, and information security as either first or second line of defense. So for organizations that had less than $60 billion in assets, more of these departments were considered to be the third line of defense or outside the third line of defense model. So for example, compliance and regulatory affairs was considered to be the third line of defense and legal and regulatory affairs were the most common departments to be considered outside the three lines of defense model. So Lori, the purpose of the three lines of defense is to provide a simple and effective way to identify risk. And this requires clear identification of roles and responsibilities. Could you share the key findings from the survey regarding where some of these roles and responsibilities reside? Absolutely. So the survey results show that some responsibilities 
solely reside within a dedicated department, while others are shared or split between the first and second line of defense. So, for example, uh, performing an annual risk assessment from a first line of defense perspective, that's an example of a responsibility that solely resides within uh, one department. On the other hand, risk assessments of new business initiatives, which would include new products, is an example of a responsibility typically shared or split among the first and second lines of defense. What's also interesting about the survey results is when asked if the first line of defense performs second line of defense duties, 78% uh, responded no. Those that responded yes thought that risk frameworks and the overarching risk policies that reside within the second line of defense are actually performed by the first line of defense. Conversely, when asked if the second line of defense performs first line duties, 44% responded uh, yes. And the reason is, is that in many of these companies, the second line of defense is performing control testing and risk assessments, which is typically conducted by the first line of defense for the majority of respondents. Lori, a risk committee plays a key role in measuring the success of a firm's risk program and maturity. Some institutions measure success by results from internal and external assessments, while others measure by operating within their risk appetite. Could you provide some examples of how institutions measure success and effectiveness of the three lines of defense? Absolutely. So um, examples of uh, assessments and measures of success and effectiveness uh, include uh, regulatory feedback, successful audit exams, Audit and risk committee uh, reviews uh, also included would be the level of engagement and knowledge of risk owners and clear roles and responsibilities. I would also say that based on my own personal experience, um, I would add that how well the three lines of defense work together uh, is, another, is another measure. So that might be gauged in a variety of ways, including surveys and the extent to which information is shared among the three lines. And one thing that I like to do personally in reporting is to show how each line of defense sees a particular issue from their perspective, all on the same page. And so that really provides executive management and the board with a holistic view of risk. It helps keep the lines of communication open, and it really ensures that everyone is working from the same set of facts. So, Lori, to wrap up, what are some successful best practices or themes in maturing institutions, three lines of defense, and what were some best practices that have not worked out as well as intended? Yes, actually the survey results indicate that the two most common themes were tone at the top and that would reflect board and executive management support and clear roles and responsibilities. So respondents uh, indicated that things that worked well included clarifying roles and responsibilities within policies and procedures, transparency and communication with stakeholders, third would be accountability, and the fourth would be a strong risk management framework. Conversely, uh, respondents indicated that things that did not work well included not holding risk owners accountable. The second would be duplicative tasks and control testing. The third would be lack of clear and effective communication. The fourth would be working in silos. And lastly, the lack of collaboration between risk and control partners. Lori, thank you again for joining us today. Very informative discussion. Thank you very much for having me.